0: We all know in life uh, the importance of relationships and uh, one of the things in life often uh, is that we're looking for (coughs) um, a relationship with the opposite sex Um, but in in that person we're often looking for uh, someone who will satisfy all our needs or most of them and um, sometimes that's what leads to the breakdown in in relationships. is that um, we're putting so much pressure on our spouses that, uh, that they actually can't handle. Or some people never get married because they never really find that person that they think they can put all their trust in. And uh, the Samaritan woman in today's Gospel reading uh, was someone who was looking for um, a man who would satisfy the deepest needs of her heart. And so in that process, she'd gone through five husbands And uh, couldn't find any husband that would really satisfy. And then she was still in a relationship thinking, if I try hard enough, I'm going to find that right person. Um, Well, thankfully God heard the cry of her heart and said, um, in in a sense was saying, um, you're crying out for a a husband, but really you need a saviour or you need the man who can actually save you. (coughs) And... uh, there is a sense in which uh, in, in life we're often looking for someone who <clears throat> will satisfy something of the hunger of our hearts and so if it's not a person sometimes it's an activity, um, sometimes it's a sporting team, someone that, that we can actually, uh, you know, we, we I think we get to know our own imperfections and so we're looking for something else to actually um, meet those needs, something that yeah, we say a sporting team that, win, that wins all the time—you get this boost when that actually happens. Um, sometimes it can be work, and, uh, and there's a whole range of um, things that or activities or people that we can actually look to to satisfy uh, the needs of our hearts. And, um, needs that really, ultimately, only God can satisfy. Augustine. Uh, said it in this, this way, Thou hast made us for Thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Thee. And there is a real truth that um, there's, there's a sense in which nothing else actually satisfies until we actually find um, God in His Son, Jesus. We're made, we're made in God's image. <clears throat> and We're made for a relationship with Him. Um, we've ma- actually made to worship him. <clears throat> and if we don't worship him, we'll, f- we'll find something else to worship. And we might think, well, um, <clears throat> we don't worship idols. You know, we've, we've gone past all that. But we do idolise people. Um, we idolise sporting teams. Um, we at times can idolise work. Uh, and we have to recognise that there is... Um, An an enemy that we have in the world, um, one of his names is tempter, and he's always taking because he's jealous of God, he's always seeking to um, tempt us away from worship of God into worship of other things. Um, He even tried to tempt Jesus that way um, in the wilderness. Um, If you will worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this earth. And Jesus had to say, "Now worship God, Him alone. Uh, will you worship and and serve Him?" And you have to say, "Well, you know, I mean, from what we know of God, why is it that um, we don't worship Him? Why is it? <coughs> why is it that <coughs> why is it that we um, tend to worship other things?" And I thought about that. You know, why is it that? we find it at times so difficult to worship God and so easy to worship other things. I think um, it comes down to my own experience of worshipping a football team. And it was like um, I I reflected on all the years that I spent sort of going to every game and and, uh, and on those years I have to say it didn't change me at all. I was still the same person after following the football team after five years or whatever that I was at the start. But you can't worship God and not and not be changed one of the things about worshiping God is that he highlights areas in our lives that actually need changing and so to actually worship God and actually to get him know get to know him better means that we have to change it's not about changing activities it's we personally have to change and so it's it's like um, repentance is turning from what else we were involved in or whatever turning to God or turning from um, activities which aren't godly um, turning to, to the one true God. And so there's something about worship that as we, um, as we go, go deeper in it into it it involves change And sometimes we have to say we're reluctant to change. The flesh doesn't want to change you know, whether it's changed times of services or whatever change the way we do the services, Um, there's really a a reluctance to change. Um, But God, as I often say, um, while God loves us as we are, he doesn't want us to stay as we are. He actually wants us to become more like Jesus. Uh, And I've never met a person yet who is like Jesus yet. Um, And someone put it this way, we're all Christians under construction. Okay, He's not finished with us yet. And so here's this, this challenge if, about drawing closer to God in, in, in terms of worship is a willingness to change. Um, Paul put it this way, writing to the Corinthians in the second letter, um, as we behold him, we're changed from one degree of glory to another. So you can't go deeper into God without being changed personally. And that change means letting go of some stuff so that other things can actually happen. And as I say, we, often we we don't want to change. You know, we we'd rather be secure in the familiar. And God wants us to be secure in Him, and not in things, or not in in rituals, or um, not in forms, or, or or whatever. And that was the thing that He challenged the, the Samaritan woman about. Um, somehow, uh, she made this offhanded remark. Well, we we worship, you know. Um, at Ma- at this mountain, and you worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus picked up on that, and then in this account, which we often use in evangelism, but in, in four or five verses, it actually mentions worship or uh, um, uh, 10 times. And so, here, speaking to this person who's a Samaritan woman, Jesus actually takes the opportunity to actually share something about worship. And he says that, okay, that God is spirit and truth. And truth, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is the heart of worship, and so part of the challenge that he was placing before her, and indeed before us, is that um, worship is not confined to a place. Okay, um, we can worship God anywhere. Yes, we come together to, to worship because there's a sense in which things can take place when we come together that don't actually always happen when we're on, on our own. But worship's not confined to a place. And if we only worship God here on a Sunday, we're not going to be true worshippers anymore that you can be... You know, spend time with your wife or husband once, once a week and not have anything to do with them the rest of the week. Uh, that's not going to be a good relationship. You know? and, and so here's this, this, this challenge to be um, people who worship not just on a Sunday, but that it's actually a, a lifestyle because of our relationship with God. Because worship ultimately is about a relationship with God. That, um, and if we find worship hard, we probably find praying hard. Uh, you know, and there's a recognition so in, particularly in terms of prayer I, I mean I struggle with prayer I want to be a, a deeper prayer but it, it, but the thing's hard but when you think about it in terms of there's some people you find it easy to talk to you just, you've got a relationship with them and you just see. but if you haven't got much of a relationship then you struggle with the, the conversation and so sometimes we struggle with prayer because we actually don't know God a- enough and we struggle with worship in the same way because we, we don't know enough about him. We've got vague ideas which um, we've read somewhere but um, it, it's a, there's a difference between reading about someone in a book and actually knowing them in person. And the same sort of thing is true about God that there's a sense in which we've got to know him through, through our experiences of him. So here's this challenge to actually um, open up our lives to God and commune with Him. In order, we might be the worshippers that the Father seeks. He's actually looking for worshippers. And if we don't learn to worship now, we're going to be in trouble when we go to the to heaven. Because uh, all that all that we read in Scripture about worship is about about heaven is about worship. Because. If you come into the presence of God, you can't do anything else rather than fall down and worship. So, so we better start to learn it here, right? And the Father, yeah, in his love for us, he, yeah, it's, it's not that he's, that he, in a sense, he needs our worship, but if we don't worship him, we'll worship something else, which will be deficient, okay? And worship of anything else will tend to, be, will tend to enslave us. Uh, whereas worshiping, worshiping the one true God tends to free us. Um, and there's a sense in which what what is worship? Worship is being in the presence of God. Um, and Scripture tells us in His presence is fullness of joy. Okay, in, the, in in His presence there's healing. There's peace. All the things we really deeply desire. And so sometimes it's a bit of a journey to actually push through, uh, to come to that place where we're actually worshipping God. Um, it inqu- inqu- requires our will to be involved, our heart to be involved. So if you think about worship, you know, when he's, it's, it's not just acknowledging the truths about God, that God is good, um, that he's loving and he's kind. Um, so it's you know, and God's given us his word to describe actually who he is. So it's not so it's, it's knowing those truths and saying, "Okay, we worship you because you're worthy of our worship." But there's also a sense in, in, in spirit, which is basically um, that, that we're bo- we're born again. You know, that God's spirit communes with our spirit because God's spirit, and you can't worship spirit without your own spirit being involved. And uh, before we actually come to faith in Christ, our, our spirits are dead, and so they need to be enlivened so that we actually can commune with God. And that's an ongoing process of being listening to the spirit, allowing him to guide us into all truth and to teach us more about uh, who God is and uh, what he wants for us. And so worship in in, in spirit in, in, in the end involves our emotion. Um and marriage, you think about marriage, marriage without emotion is pretty, pretty dead. <laughs> Unless there's some real love that's involved that's actually flowing and affection and all this, but um, it's not much of a relationship. And the same's true about God, that if we're, if we're worshipping him, then our hearts need to be involved. There's a, a sense of passion that needs to be involved. And People often use this illustration that if you can shout for your footy team, why can't you shout for God? Like, um, to actually get excited about God. And indeed, some of the Psalms actually say, shout to the Lord, make a joyful noise to the Lord. There's, there's actually passion involved because you're saying you're worthy of our worship. And so just as we get passionate about footy teams or, or whatever, um, we get and <laughs> we can shout and just, God wants us to be passionate about him. Um, and, and sometimes we struggle with that we think "No, no I, 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 prim and proper or whatever yeah. uh, this friend of mine uh, always challenged me that we'd be walking down the street and he'd say praise the Lord <laughs> he'd lift his hands out there and he wouldn't care what anyone else thought God's worthy of our praise oh, oh, oh. <laughs> step aside from him for a little while um, but I'm thinking he had a freedom about it and he did that because God had rescued him from a, you know, a pretty um, a broken life where he was an alcoholic and um, really messed up and um, he um, had no relationship with his kids. He'd been divorced and um, God had rescued him from that and, and, and uh, uh, restored him to ministry, uh, restored him uh, to intimate relationships with his children and he, so he had a lot to praise God for. God had brought him really out of darkness into light. And he's saying, I'm not ashamed to confess that he is my Lord and neither should we be. So sometimes we're more concerned about what others might think rather than what God thinks. You know? And Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me on this earth, you'll be, ashamed. you'll be ashamed of us when we stand before him. And so here's this challenge um, about worship. is In the end, it's about being... God-conscious rather than self-conscious or people-conscious. So, so worship is really about um, having our hearts and minds fixed on God, and not, not in a sense on on other people. And so, this this vision I'm placing before you in terms of to be a worshiper, and, and often, and you've, you know, involves. Um, tone of our voice you know, so sometimes yep, without intimidating other people you, know, you don't want people to draw attention to yourself but there's the sense in which our voice is used um, often one of the things that God's freed me of over the years is um, using my hands in worship and indeed um, scripture talks about lifting up holy hands to God you know, the Jewish way of worship was often you know, and just raising hands um, so, if, if there's no movement, you're just restricting worship of God just to often what comes out of our lips rather than using our whole body in worship. Um, indeed, the, uh, the, the Greek word in the New Testament, which is most often used of worship, is to uh, bow down or come towards bow down and kiss. And so, worship has a sense of intimacy about it, and but it's also yeah, the sense of reverence. In terms of, of kneeling, um, so sometimes when you experience the presence of God, um, all you can do is just fall, fall down on your knees and say, "You are Lord." It's a, a sense of um, submission to Him. And indeed, when you know, through the Scriptures, when people had an experience of God, what did they do? Fall down, like that, 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 that acknowledgement. Your God. <laughs> I'm just part, mere part of your creation, like it's just honouring God. And so here are these aspects of worship, which often we don't, you have to say we often don't experience. Well, why is it? Because sometimes we're, uh, and this is yeah, I often get challenged about. This is uh, Jesus often quoted this um, uh, verse from Isaiah, which said, "You people offer uh, worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me." And that sometimes when we can come into church, it's more about us and hearing. Yeah, you know, okay, I've come to hear from God, rather than I've come to honour God. Do you know, it's, it's often sometimes we're more caught up with having our own needs met, and God does meet our needs. He does meet us where we're at, but He wants us to move on from that. Do you know, it's like little children are often just concerned about hey, give me, give me, give me. You know, do this for me, do this for me, but. As children grow up, then hopefully it's mum and dad, what can I do for you? You know, it's part of maturing. And so here's this, this challenge about growing in, in faith, growing in maturity, so that so we're actually, when we, you know, the, the worship is, that, Lord, it's about you. I want to honour you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. And I suppose it is a process. Uh, the psalm, well, the psalms picks up and says, enter his courts with thanksgiving. No, it says enter his courts. No. And into his courts with praise. So enter, in, enter into his gates. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> enter his gates with thanksgiving. So often yeah, it's, there is this process of thanking God. As you thank God, you think, oh yeah, no, He's 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 actually, he's done all these good things for me. And then, Um, Then you get involved in praise, which is, so thanksgiving is giving thanks to God for what he's done for us. But praise is thanking, is actually acknowledging God for who he is. Lord, you're a good God, you're a loving God, you're a merciful God. So it's about character. So it's acknowledging the character of God. And as we go through that process, then we actually position ourselves to worship. But we've just, if we've just done the first two things, we might not get to that place of worship, because worship is that sense of Lord, for, in terms of all that you, all who you are, and all you've done for me. I just, I just want to commit my life to you. It, it's, it's that set place of surrenderedness. So it's not just putting it out there, but it's at that place of surrenderedness to Him, and um, it's like when. Um, Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. You know, fell down and said, "Who are you, Lord?" And then you know, it was a, sort of an aspect of just acknowledging. And then, um, "What do you want me to do?" So, out of worship flows flows service. You know, we actually had a heart to say, "Lord, for who you are, Lord, uh, I just want to fulfil your purpose for my life." And sometimes we, you know, because we are not get to that place of worship, we're not we're not people who actually serve God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's more for more more about us rather than Him and His purposes. And so here's this challenge that um, this this gospel reading actually placed before all of us is to become those worshippers that God desires, and that uh, that we actually worship Him in spirit and in truth. That we have, there's a flexibility. We don't say, God, you have to. This is the only way I'm going to um, interact with you. These particular hymns, or, or whatever, um, Lord, whatever set before me, and like coming to church on a Sunday, you know, I have to move around and I, uh, I meet different worship styles and all the rest of it. And if I'm committed to a worship style, I'm not going to worship God, like because it's, it's never going to be quite where, where I'd want it to be. And so I have to say, Lord, my heart is to worship you. And so this is what's set before me. It might not be my preference, but whatever's set before me, I'm going to seek to connect with you and to worship you through. And so it might be styles of music. And I think, okay, this is what's set before me. If I react and and, and I'm critical and judgmental, things just shut down because God's not where we're critical and judgmental because that's not what he is and so if we start to say hey, it's not going it's not going the way I want it hey, it's a bit long (laughs) we're actually making judgments and to say no, Lord this is what you've set before me it's like, this is the day the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it, hey this is what God's provided He's guided my life, he's brought me to this place, this is what he's provided, so I'm going to honour him through what what he's provided. But if we stay with our own preferences, we're not going to be worshippers and actually what will happen is that we'll hinder the people around about us from worshipping as well. We'll create the spirit of criticism and condemnation, all that stuff. And it's just um, all the stuff that God actually isn't. And so the, the challenge you know, to, in terms of us individually going on with God is that surrenderness. Our growth is not dependent on the people around about us, although that will actually help. But in the end, it's about our own surrenderness and say, Lord, this is what you set before me. I'm going to seek to honour you through what you've provided. Do you know, it's like food, okay? There might be other food that I might prefer for say, hey, this is what I've got. Thank you, Lord. There, there is food there. It's better to eat food than go hungry. So, I'm just going to enjoy what you've set before me, and thank you for your provision. And so, uh, to be, to to actually do that. Um, I, I don't. Yeah. This this sort of came to me this morning, so it wasn't part of my preparation. But I thought this is actually about part of what worship is about, and. Uh, in one of, the par- one of the previous parishes that I've, I've been involved in, they had this... Um, I think it was, it was no, This actually happened twice. Um, uh, down in Hobart, uh, when I preached, uh, we had this lady in the congregation who at the end of the sermon would have a time of reflection and then after it had gone for... I don't know, 30 seconds, that she'd just break out in song, which would encapsulate what, I've, what I was preaching about. It was just lovely. It was just really good. Um, and then this other church that I was involved in just recently, um, they had a sermon, they had a song before the sermon, which I thought, well, that's a bit strange. Uh, a song after the sermon, I can actually understand. And and so I developed a tradition there of finding a song that actually encapsulated the sermon. So, um, so, the thought came to me this morning. So, you know, right, I, I haven't got the greatest voice, but God God looks at the heart, not the voice. So, so here we go. And you can join into it if you if, yeah,
1: you should know it. Father, I adore you. Lay my life before you, how I love you. Jesus, I adore you, lay my life before you. I adore you lay my life before you how I love you because we're a congregation
0: (laughs) I said okay son you might have I'm going to stretch it a little bit
1: Father we adore you (laughs) Father we adore Jesus, we adore you. Let